Thanks for listening to the Woodward Podcast Network. Check out more shows by searching for us on Spreaker or wherever you catch your podcasts. The Woodward Podcast Network with Krupka Dental Associates. Hello, this is Dr. John Krupka from Krupka Dental. We now have the Saleo Laser. You can have your fillings done without needles nor drills. We are a full-service dental office and always accepting new patients. To learn more about me and my friendly team, visit KrupkaDental.com. Attention, please. And now... It's Cutter's Rock Cat. Noah Sebastian from the band Bad Omens joining us. Uh, dude, it's good to hear from you. And uh, first of all, why did you decide to copy me and cut all your hair off? <laughs> uh, honestly, <laughs> I, I don't really. <laughs> I don't have a good reason. When did you, um, when did you I, do it? Because uh, I, I cut all mine off uh, in summer. And then I'm seeing all the press photos from you guys start coming out after you had released the first song from the new album. I'm like, son of a bitch. Yeah, it was like, a, I think it was like October, gotcha. maybe a month or two before we released the first single. Gotcha. <laughs> Doesn't it? It's, a, it's, it's, it's more comfortable though, isn't it? Yeah, I, I honestly wish I'd done it sooner. I, I don't know why I didn't, but I definitely don't see myself going back for a while to long no. hair unless I end up in the woods or something, <laughs> in the cabin maybe. Uh, headbanging purposes maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, like a Villain is the new album from uh, Bad Omens. Now, you guys are going to have this out, of course, at the end of February. There are a few songs out right now. Uh, and from what's out, I mean, it's, it's, it's different than what you guys have released in the past. Uh, I don't think there's any question about that. And there was, there's a line in your bio for this new record that... I thought it was interesting. I normally don't, you know, hit questions out of bios, but I just the, the words you used as cursive sound. Can you explain that? What you mean by that? By saying the the sound of your band is is a cursive sound. Um. Yeah. So there's there's a certain like style of, I guess, aesthetic or I don't know what you would call it. It's not really a genre. It's more of a, a key and a production style and music. Um, that I just have a really strong affinity for. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a, a good example, I guess, would be a lot of the James Bond theme songs. Um, Skyfall by Adele, for example, was one of my all-time favorite songs. And um, yeah, I don't know. One day, I was, it was almost more like more humorous. I came up with the, the name of calling it Cursive, but it just has this uh, you know flowy, uh, give-and-take kind of wavy sound to it especially in the vocals mm-hmm. where it, it just uh it just hits the ear the way i you know a really nice cursive handwriting hits the eye i guess you could say that's that's the best way i would connect it um <laughs> i don't exactly have a, a good way to describe it because i kind of just made it up on the spot but gotcha. somehow it makes sense to me that well, and that's what i pictured i mean just seeing that word because obviously cursive again yeah all those flowy lines and your music definitely does that but what an interesting phrase. I hope it picks up, man. Other musicians should use it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Noah joining us from a Bad Omens. Now, hey, I, I, I made a mistake. I said album like a villain. That's the single. Uh, I apologize. Sometimes I talk too fast and put sentences together. Uh, the Death of Peace. The Death of Peace of Mind is, of course, the new album, February 25th. But go back to Like a Villain. That is the, uh, that's the single you guys released. Um, talk to me about this song, man, where it comes from. Um, this song was one of the first songs we wrote for the new album and, uh, it actually has kind of an interesting origin story because initially it was two songs Hmm. and, um, it's, 
you know, we, we wrote it in a way that we wanted just to kind of make a song that sounded good from start to finish. And we were kind of trying to throw the rule book out the window in terms of structure and, you know, just general commercial expectation of how a song should go from start to finish. And, um, with this one, it actually ended up being two songs and we just split it down the middle, uh, on the record. So a little bit of a spoiler there for the record for you, but, um, yeah, we, uh, we really liked how the song felt from front to back when it was five and a half minutes long, but we definitely were admittedly aware of the fact that it wouldn't, you know, do as well as I, I, I guess it's doing now on more like radio type platforms, right. uh, in that type of format and structure. So we were like, well, we don't want to lose this first bit. Like it's still very cool. So let's just cut it there and make that more of like an interlude or an intro to the song. That'll be a ah, nice okay. uh, treat for the listeners, you know? Well, that's an interesting way to do it. Yeah, I think we've uh, figured out over the years that unless you're named Tool or Metallica, you can't release uh, songs that are over five minutes long. It feels yeah, like. exactly. <laughs> so it'll, it'll be a nice little treat for fans that, I guess, still haven't really heard the full song in a way, if you think right. about it like that. Yeah, I suppose. Well, February 25th can't come soon enough then. Um, yeah. You know, and not just this song, but the other songs you, you guys have released so far. Again, the title track, The Death of Peace of Mind. And I know you... Uh, you did a lot of engineering and producing yourselves, right, on this? Obviously, given uh, the pandemic. Yeah, all of it. All of it. All of it. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, there there is one song, actually, uh, we we did with um, Eric Ron. He did he did one song that we okay. co-wrote and produced with him, and him and his engineer did. But, uh, yeah, the rest of the record was me and Jolly. How much, okay, so how much of doing this yourselves added uh, some of these different kind of soundscapes that you're using? Because to me, it's noticeable immediately when listening that there, there's different there's different instrumentation types being used. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, to be honest, this sounds, I feel like for all the rock and metal gatekeepers out there, it sounds <laughs> a little taboo to say, but I don't really like, I think rock music right now is kind of corny and like pretty boring. Like, I definitely will, like, that sounds a little pretentious. Like, I guess what I'm saying is, like, there, <laughs> there are songs I hear that, like, I say this is a great song, songwriting-wise, like, this really catchy hook, great mix, whatever. But, like, just the general, like, flavor to it is all, like, salt and pepper. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> there's there's really not much more going on that I feel like, uh, and I feel like there's room for it, too. Like, I'll hear songs, and I'll be like, man, you could have done this or this, like, so for me, being being a songwriter and having a background playing guitar for a long time before I started singing um, and you know writing rock music, I kind of started, especially with this album, relying more on the production to make the music more interesting. Because you know, for me at this point, I the type of music we make, I don't think the guitars are really the focus of the music, just because they're kind of more so there to make the the body of rhythm on the instrumental, you know. Hmm. And, um, yeah, for me, I feel like the vocals and the production are where as a band, especially at this point, we really shine and stand out and, and do really more interesting things. That's not to say there aren't, you know, some cool guitar stuff on the album because there for sure is, but, uh, yeah, I kind of just, uh, I guess what I'm saying is I feel like a lot of rock bands say, you know, we're a rock band or a metal band and we are, uh, inspired by this genre or this genre. And at this point, I feel like I'd sooner say, you know, we're this genre inspired by rock or metal, you know, like the other way around. Interesting. 
Yeah, because traditionally, uh, and I know we've talked about this in the past, but myself too, as a guitar player, you kind of sit in this in this path or in this lane, right? And rock music has always been it's guitar driven, it's guitar leaning, um, and the bass, drums, and vocals are there. I mean, maybe one A, one B with the vocals, but you know, bass and drums are kind of behind in lane rhythm. So you're going the opposite direction is such an interesting way to look at it. Uh, mm-hmm. And you guys are obviously creating an interesting sound. I don't think there's any doubt about that because it sounds good. Thank you. Well, you're very welcome. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, no. Uh, I mean, even in the writing process, um, we we kind of write it in reverse. Like a lot of the songs started with just production and vocals um, because I would, you know, there's like a certain sound or like a vibe, I guess you could say I wanted a song to have that it's really hard to achieve just starting out like with, you know, drums and guitar and like the demo phase of the song mm-hmm. where it's like, it's hard for your brain not to just gravitate closer to the, to the closest, you know, rock inspiration that it feels like when, we weren't exactly trying to go for a rock inspiration on this record. And, um, you know, so I fell on that starting, starting in reverse and just writing almost, I'll, I'll say there are a few songs on the record that started just as beats, uh, that I made. And I wrote vocal hooks on them and I really liked the hooks and the, and the, the melodies and some of the lyrics I wrote. And I was like, well, let's like, you know, rebuild the production around, you know, these vocals and these chords that I made with this beat maybe even keep some of the elements of the beat in there and then see what happens. And that's, you know, that's how songs like the death of peace of mind came to be. Um, and I don't know, I feel like it's just kind of an interesting approach trying to write backwards in a sense, because most bands I know they do all the production stuff last. Mm-hmm. Whereas us, we kind of do that first and the vocals first and then work in reverse from there. Once, you know, the electronics and the ambience of the song and the the atmosphere of the song really takes shape. So you kind of have something to to work off of. Right. Well, I think, you know, so many bands, obviously, and I know you guys have done this too. I mean, you start with the, you're just jamming out in a garage or a basement, and then you go from there where, the, in this case, yeah, if you're starting in a studio, um, mm-hmm. boy, I guess it really does open up the minds to different things. Uh, and then the sound... Because obviously you get to this point, and then, you know, you're talking about using beats and electronic instrumentation so much more. To have a guy like uh, Zach Cervini, if anybody doesn't know who that is, uh, has worked with a lot of electronic-style bands, let's say, right? Like uh, like Grimes and, and Halsley and things. Um, to have, having somebody like that lend their ear to the mixing and mastering process, then, does that really bring that out even further? Yeah, I think that... Um I, that helped in so many ways, honestly, because we didn't want to go with like a more traditional, you know, rock or metalcore type of sound or mix uh, with the songs. And, you know, him having such an extensive background in genres beyond, you know, those, those genres. Um, I think it, it was easy for him to kind of pick up what we were putting down. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> a, big a few times with, like yeah, we went uh-huh. to the studio and hung out while he was mixing and we just got to talk and pick his brain. And he seemed to like really understand the vision of the record that, that we had for it without us even talking to him about it, which was great because it was, you know, not, not to say a shot in the dark, like we uh-huh. knew it would come out incredible with him working on it either way. But there's always that part of you as a creative that once someone else you bring in to really understand what you're trying to do and to not just be a job for them. You know, and I feel like when we talked about it with Zach, he really 
got the picture and like kind of knew exactly what it was we were saying without us having to say it. Gotcha. And uh, yeah, he, he smoked it. Oh yeah, there's no doubt about that. Hey, listen, I mean, we sit here and talk about electronic stuff, right? You guys put out a song this week called "Artificial Suicide." It's brutal. I mean, there's some brutality to that song. Um, yeah. So you, there's still that going on. Yeah. Uh, which which is good, <laughs> given that yeah, you guys no, have that, a heavy band. That's another example, I guess, of a song that I I feel like was very experimental in early stages, and mm-hmm. it came out being this like very strange hybrid cyber machine like metal song which is you know for me perfect because even when writing like heavy songs still i want those to also feel very experimental and interesting and right we we just did so much on that song and somehow it came out cool so i'm grateful for that <laughs> okay like like uh can you dig further into that like like if you did so much on that song like what give me an example yeah so i mean for, for example all the guitars all the rhythm guitars are layered with bass synths in addition to bass guitar. So there's huh. like, at all times, I don't, I don't know how, like, it's very subtle because it's like, we still want it to sound like guitars, but right. it's kind of like a, it's similar to like the Mick Gordon trick. I don't know if you're familiar with Mick Gordon's production, but he layers guitars with like chainsaw sounds, like frequencies <laughs> from chainsaws. Really? I didn't know that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. He like, I don't know. I, I don't know if he made the plugin, but there's something he like, he's really crazy with like synthesizers and like, like patching and all that type of like more engineering types electronic stuff. Mm-hmm. That's just like almost rocket science to me, I would compare it to. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I really like the way he produces. Uh, he did the Doom official soundtrack record, uh, official soundtracks. Oh, wow. And there's an interview I was watching with him talking about it. And he mixed the sound of chainsaws with his rhythm guitars. Like he, mount, he found a way to set a blend knob basically and blend them together. Um, and that was kind of what gave me the idea with artificial suicide to, you know, maybe make the sense not just feel like atmosphere or melody in the background of chords or whatever the root note is, but to maybe make them more part of the actual rhythm themselves with like bass synths. And um, in addition to that, there's also a trick we did on the last record with a song called Dethrone, where I like to make basically two different drum kits happening at the same time. Ooh, okay. Um, uh, one's an E kit, more so of an E kit. Uh, it's like more of a cinematic type of tone on the drums, and then one is just a regular, you know, acoustic drum kit that we use for like the more global drum sound on the record. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always like when I would be writing, and you know, most of the time when we're writing, I write with electronic or not electronic drums, but like you know, fake real drums, like program drums, just to get the ideas in there, click it in with the mouse or whatever. And uh, I always found myself like hearing one beat on the drums that sounded really cool with the guitar part or whatever the part may call for. And then another drum beat that also sounded cool. So I was like, why don't I just do both? (laughs) So I started layering e-kits, especially an artificial suicide with, um, with the regular like global drum kit sound. So at all times in artificial, there's like a double kick happening on the E kick behind the real drums, as well as like some bells happening on the E on the E kit. And it just makes for this like really neurotic percussive type of sound going on in the background that like keeps you like gives you the option to bob your head in various, you know, times, if that makes sense, (laughs) like halftime or double time. Like it just, it really makes the song like, come to life in a more machine-like way. Okay. And there's just, 
as much percussion happening as you can without it sounding like messy or obnoxious. I gotcha. I gotcha. That's it. It's such a. So how do you how do you guys pull that off live? Then is it just using a lot of kind of pre-recorded things that you can play to, or are you hitting things live to to make these things? Go? Uh, no, it's, there's just a lot of backtracks happening. I mean, if okay. we had if we had like a live member playing everything going on in the song, we would have ten people on stage. You know, <laughs> so we just play to a click and run them through the through a line on the backtrack and. You know, our, our front of house engineer does a great job at um, mixing it all in and making it sound good live. Well, yeah, I think that's important, right? When that's going on, you got to have the right engineer. Otherwise, yeah, that's nerve wracking. We've been with the same guy for five years now. I think yeah, awesome. shop, he's great. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, speaking of live, uh, it was just announced that you guys uh, took the position of Every Time I Die, May They Rest in Peace. Still upset that they broke up or whatever. Um, yeah. uh, and are now on tour with Under Oath. I love this bill because I feel like if you're a fan of Bad Omens, you're probably a fan of Under Oath. And if you're a fan of Under Oath, you're probably not yet. If you're not yet a fan of Bad Omens, you will be, you know? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I'm I'm very excited. I mean, I, I think it goes without saying touring with a band like Under Oath that's, you know, iconic and been around so long and a band I grew up listening to as well as pretty much all of us did, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, super exciting to to be on this tour and get this opportunity and you know Spearbox is also incredible like they're they're killing it right oh, now yeah, and yeah. straight from the path is another band I, I grew up loving and listened to for a long time so all around I'm, I'm very excited for the tour I think it's going to be really really sick uh have you have you guys been able to play live yet since uh the world went insane uh, or is this, yeah, is this the first so we, we, we did a festival last year, which was the first time we played in almost two years. And then uh, last fall, a few months ago, we did direct support to Ice Nine Kills, which was a really, really great tour as well. So it's like slowly coming back, back did together. You? Why did I not know that? I saw Ice Nine Kills last summer. No. Um, did this you guys, was like November. Yeah. Did you guys play the Green Bay, Wisconsin date? Uh, I think so. Why do I not remember? There's a lot of dates. I can't remember. This is what I get for going upstairs and seeing friends who want to buy shots. This is what happens. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Might have messed this. I must have. Ah, that pisses me off. Oh, well. Yeah, it was a great tour, though. Um, Oh, my God. Ice Nine Kills are amazing live. Amazing. Um, But again, so is Under Oath. And that's, yeah, I'm glad you guys got on it. That's amazing. It kicks off uh, in just uh, just a little bit. The 18th in Dallas goes through the end of the end of March. And then again, the album, The Death of Peace of Mind, which uh, I kind of love that because it it, it seems very metaphorical. Yeah, (laughs) I love my long album titles. (laughs) What? Come on now. The first one was self-titled. Love, love so a big mouthful. <laughs> the first one was self-titled, though. So you've only got two to go off of. It's all right. Uh, yeah. Dude, for as, for as good as Finding God Before God Finds Me was, uh, I am pretty stoked for the death of peace of mind. Again, it'll be out on February 25th. It's good to hear from you, Noah. I'll let you get back to things, but thank you for taking a few minutes to chat and catch us up. Yep, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Carter's Rockcast. Don't forget to tune in. Exactly. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.